Yes, we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It's called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toladano. John Wall doesn't need no introduction. It's an insider's look at the NBA and culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick of the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The following is a high-five moment from HighFiveCasino.com. Welcome to would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won! Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing High Five Casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! <laughs> I won again! I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your High Five moment today? Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. What's up? This is Michael Rapport. We have a jam-packed, big-body, hard-body, I am Rappaport stereo podcast. On today's podcast, I celebrate my victory in the regular season of the Stern Show Fantasy Football League. That's right. You are now listening to the voice of the regular season 2018 fantasy football season Howard Stern Show Fantasy Football League. Meek Mill released an album, and I'm not a fan. The Greek Freak, in my opinion, Giannis Antetokounmpo is overrated and got dunked on. Plus, plus, we have two special guests, Super Bowl champion, Iconic NFL beast. They call him Debo. Former Pittsburgh Steeler. Former New England Patriot. Instagram star. Motherfucking Debo is in the house. James Harrison is with me on the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast talking all and everything about his career, what's going on in the NFL now, and getting and staying in shape. Plus the magic man, Paulie Malinaji is with me to discuss the Tyson Fury-Deontay Wilder fight that people are still talking about, that people are all up in their feelings about on a brand new big body, hard body karate, I am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Miles, Jordan, please start this puppy off with something real nice, something real proper.
Thanks to Roman for supporting today's I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Roman is a men's health company that offers remote online diagnosis for ED and a convenient, discreet monthly delivery of the medication. For a free online visit, go to GetRoman.com slash champ. That's GetRoman.com slash champ for a free private online visit. Go to GetRoman.com slash champ. Yes. Yes, yes, this is the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Yes, it is in stereo. My name is Michael Rappaport, a.k.a. the Gringo Mandingo, a.k.a. the Jake LaMotta of podcasting, a.k.a. the White Chocolatito, a.k.a. White Mike, a.k.a. Bird, a.k.a. the Jeff Ruland of podcasting. You are now rocking with the very... Very best. Championship 15 rounds of podcasting for real today. 15 rounds. We're taking you into the deep, uncharted waters. As I told you, we have two guests. Get your fucking popcorn. Get your licorice, get your milk duds, because this is museum-quality, movie-like podcasting experience. You're going to feel like you're in the motherfucking movie theater. Today, we have Paulie Malinaji, the magic man, two-time champion on the show, welterweight champion, showtime boxing broadcaster. He was ringside calling the Tyson Fury-Deontay Wilder fight. He has a lot to say about the fight. The outcome of the fight, if you haven't heard, it was called a draw. Very controversial decision. People are uh, split down the middle about what they thought happened at the fight. I dropped an emergency podcast directly after I got home from the Staples Center. I was at the fight. I will never be going to a live boxing match again. It was not a pleasant experience overall. Listen, I was happy to be there, but it was just too fucking nutty. Uh, I had security issues. Listen, I'm not going to rehash what I already dropped. Uh, it, it's up on the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast app. Okay, premium primetime, and that was really was premium primetime, Saturday night at 10 p.m., about an hour and a half after the fight. We dropped that gold. Um, I got into some 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 little, little ruckus. At Staples with security, I was being heckled all night in a loving way, but heckled nonetheless, being called, you fuck you, you fuck. I'm with my wife. No one wants to be called, you fuck you, you fuck. No one wants their wife to be asked while we're on date night. That's date night. People are asking my wife, yo, can you take a picture of us? I'm like, yo, Duke, that's my wife, Duke. That's not Annie Leibovitz. That's my motherfucking wife, Duke. She's not taking no pictures. Oh, I'm just asking. Do a selfie, homie. Do a selfie. I appreciate that you're a fan, but that's not Annie Leibovitz, my man. She don't work for TMZ. That's my whiz, B. This is what I'm dealing with all night. And and like I said, it, it's fans, but then it turns into something else for me because I'm like, yo, you're disrespecting my whiz, dude. On top of that, I, I don't think there's such thing as a, a seat that is actually a really good seat where you could actually see an entire fight the way you can actually see it at home with the replay, the slow motion, the in-between 
uh, arounds, uh, recaps. I had good seats, but I didn't think it was a draw based on what I saw. I thought it was a kind of a boring fight. Uh, I know that Tyson Fury uh, was, was sort of patty caking and, and throwing some jabs, but I didn't see the fight on television. Regardless, Paulie Malinaji is here to break down the fight. If you want to hear my full uh, a staple center, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder uh, a recap, I am Rapport Stereo Podcast app. It's where you get all your apps on the app store. We also have a fantastic interview with a guy who has got a great sense of humor and a great personality. He never shows it, and I am proud that I kind of cracked the code Debo James Harrison, former NFL beast, former defensive player of the year, Super Bowl champion from the Pittsburgh Steelers, did a quick stint with the Cincinnati Bengals, and then he, he played last year with the New England Patriots. He left the Steelers to go to the Patriots. They lost in the Super Bowl. You know who he is, James Harrison, motherfucking Debo. We're talking to him about his career, what's going on in the NFL now, working out squats, dead weights, this. And he, he is planning on taking on Hollywood. He wants to be an action star. I'm going to ask him who he sort of assimilates his acting career after. And so much NFL talk with Debo, James Harrison, later on. On this big body, I am Rapport Stereo Puckets. But you're listening to the voice, this voice, this tenor. <sighs> champion. I'm a fucking champion. I did it, guys. I did it. I um, won once again the regular season of the Howard Stern Fantasy Football League. Um, I did it. I beat those motherfuckers into the ground. I don't even know what my record is at this point. Of course, I have a bye. I have a bye in uh, the first week of the playoffs because that's what champions get. This was all uh, celebrated, scrutinized, and documented on the most recent Howard Stern show. I got wind. Now I'm in Los Angeles, but I got wind that Button Dick Brent... Uh, Sal and and Gorilla Tooth Gary and, and you know the rest of the cast of characters they were they were ridiculing me mocking me uh, replaying my voicemails and such and trying to somehow diminish um, a great accomplishment uh, I called into the show I actually it, it went down like this which is about six twenty in the morning Los Angeles time they of course uh, uh, record and shoot the show in, in New York City. Uh, I got repetitive texts from a friend of mine who is a, a loyal Stern Show uh, listener. He said, they're talking shit about you on the Stern Show. They're talking shit about you on the Stern Show. Call in. So I popped out of bed and I said out loud, I'm ready to fuck. And my wife said, what? What, what are you talking about? I, I said, I'm ready to fuck. She said, you ain't talking to me like that. And I said, no, 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 no. She thought I, I was saying to her, I'm ready to fuck. Like I woke up out of bed like that. Huh. <laughs> Those days are over. I don't wake up out of bed uh, ready to fuck now. I'm going to be honest. I mean, I, li- I do like a, a little morning, uh, you know, a little morning something, something. But I don't wake up like a bat out of hell saying I'm ready to fuck. It won't fly. Um, that's just not the way uh, to get things done. So I went down there. I called into that show. 
yada, yada, yada. Scrutinized, ridiculed, uh, this, that, and the other uh, on the Howard Stern Show. They, they, haters going to hate, as they say, um, and winners going to win. I have a buy in the Howard Stern Fantasy Football League once again. I don't know who I'm playing, uh, who, who's playing in front of me, who I'm waiting for. I will be uh, emotionally in Puerto Rico vacationing uh, this weekend in the Stern League. In my other league, the Money League, Joe Button, rapper, podcaster, who I fuck with. I've been on his podcast. I respect him. I beat the shit out of him. I sent him fishing. I beat the shit out of Joe Button. Mr. Shit Talker, Joe Button. Mr. Rapper, Mr. Shit Talker, nothing. I can't get a fucking word from this guy. I eliminated him from our league. Sent him on his fucking way. Brutalized him. Beat his ass. Talked shit, nothing. Forget hearing birds chirp, mosquitoes, all that. Nothing. I couldn't hear anything. There's no mosquitoes, there's no crickets, nothing. There's not even any wind blowing. Where the fuck are you, Joey Button? Where are you? I beat your fucking ass fair and square. Where are you at, Joe? They counted me out in that league, but I came back. I came the fuck back. Off the canvas, so to speak, like Rocky Balboa and Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury came off the fucking canvas, and I thought he was fucking done, and so did the rest of the world. He came back off the canvas. It was like night of the living dead. After our guy, friend of the I Am Rap Poor Stereo podcast, Deontay Wilder, hit him with a two-piece, that motherfucker got up. Well, I did the same thing in my fantasy football league with Joe fucking Button and Ja Rule's in it. And a bunch of other uh, non-mentionables. They're, they're not mentionable. They're not worth mentioning. But like I said, I was at that fight. I talked to Paulie uh, Malinaji about it. And, and I say, uh, I need to replay it. Um, obviously, we were rooting for Deontay Wilder. I know I'm familiar with Tyson Fury. A lot of people uh, ain't true to this. They're very new to this. I knew that the guy was cagey. I knew that he was scrappy. Um... Whatever. We'll talk about that later on. I am Rappaport Podcast. The New York Knicks, who I know, I don't need to be reminded that they're not going to make the playoffs. I- I'm very aware of that. I- I- as much as I'm a fan, I'm, I'm very honest uh, with myself about uh, the state of affairs with the team's uh, and athletes that I like. If they're, if they're winning, I'm all in. If they're losing, I'm all in. But I'm aware that they might be losing. The New York Knicks had a great comeback win over the weekend versus the Milwaukee Bucks, who I like, led by Giannis Antetokounmpo, a.k.a. the Greek Freak, who I also like. But I noticed watching him in that game. First of all, he got dunked on badly. Now, it's just one play. But Mario banged it on his fucking head. Why the Greek freak jumped, I don't know. I respect that he jumped, but you ain't LeBron James, Duke. You tried to come up from behind and block his dunk. He banged it on your head. He stepped over you a la Allen Iverson did Ty Lue. 
And then he instigated the crowd to cheer more and more. It was a beautiful moment in New York City basketball history. Yes, we don't have a lot to root for lately. Um, And we certainly, even in our heyday, we didn't have like, you know, exciting plays. We have like henchmen. You know, we don't have a lot of dunks. We got the Starks dunk. We got some Ewing dunks. But we don't have those kind of players. That play, Mr. Antemakumbo, will go down in New York folklore. And when this team does pull together, that will be one of the first clips we show. That will be one of the first clips we show in this new generation of David Fisdale-led New York Knicks. This team has heart. They fight. And I do believe watching them versus the Milwaukee Bucks that when we get some additional players, Porzingis and some offseason players, the New York Knicks with this core of young dudes who are tough and who don't give up, who are not pussy, and who play together and who are being taught the right way by Fisdale are going to eventually win a championship. I am predicting within three to four years we will be competing for an NBA championship. I'm saying that right fucking now. Not this year, three or four years after 2019, we're going to be cooking. But the thing that I did notice about Yantamakumbo, Antamakumbo, the Greek freak. Let's just call him the Greek freak. Let's not go into, into complications. He puts up crazy numbers, but we're in his, I believe, his fourth season. This is the Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast. I do not fact check anything. That's one of the uh, pleasures. That's one of the unique things about the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. We don't fact check a thing. Now, that doesn't mean I just make things up, but I don't need to look at the computer or my phone to see whether or not it's the Greek Freak's uh, third year or fourth year. doesn't make a difference. Um, He's averaging like 27 points a game. I, I know all the great things about it, but I feel like he is slightly overrated because... Because, hold your fucking horses, I love him. I love uh, the tenacity that he plays the game with. I love the joy that he plays the game with. I love his size, his length, his wingspan. I love when he's uh, uh, heading down the court. He's virtually unstoppable. But in his third or fourth year, not fact-checking, the Greek freak does not have a go-to move. And you say he's young, he's young. Listen, You either get these things or you don't. He does not have a go-to move. Some people's bodies, his arms are so long, his hands are so fucking big, he may never have a jump shot. If he's 10 feet away from the basket, I think he's an average player. When he's running with the ball, dribbling with the ball, or when he gets the ball when he's moving, or even when he gets the ball with his back to the basket, he is... In the unstoppable world. But when there's three seconds left, I don't know if you can give him the ball at the top of the key or the wing or the corner and expect him to do what a guy like Kyrie does, Steph does, LeBron does, Kevin Durant does. Even Kawhi Lender can do. He he doesn't have that skill set, and I don't know if he ever will. Uh, That doesn't mean I don't fuck with him. That doesn't mean I don't like him. But I feel like at this point in the career, he should have developed one, at least one go-to move when he's facing the basket and doesn't have a racing start, either dribbling or running down the lane. My two cents, my two cents on the Greek freak. (sighs) 
Now, if you're noticing that um, my voice, does my voice sound funny? Or do I sound like I have a heavy tongue? That's because I bit my fucking tongue today. Earlier at lunch, um, I was having sushi. Um, and I was so uh, excited by the meal. And at the same time, frustrated by the young shooter, Dean Collins, that I bit my tongue because I was biting into a scallop roll. And I bit my tongue. Now, I feel like uh, I have a heavy tongue today. I don't know if you, you can hear that, but if it's not any speech impediment that I've developed. I uh, just, uh, you know, when you bite your tongue, it, it, it sometimes is hard to talk. Um, Meek Mill dropped a record. Now, I met Meek Mill. I've always liked his underdog story. Um, obviously... Um, I like everything he's trying to do with prison reform and speaking out about what he went through going into jail. And uh, this is uh, since he became Meek Mill. I respect Meek Mill. That being said, I can't really say that I like this album. I, I listened to the album two times all the way through. And the problem that I have with Meek Mill, and he's not trash. He's a dope rapper um, in a way, in a way. Um, I can't say he's a dope rapper because I don't like this record. I, I don't like, this is a thing that I, I say about Meek Mill, and I say this with, with all due respect, because he says good things, his point of view is good, his story's good, he's genuine, um, he's evolved, and all that stuff in front of our eyes, and, you know, and he's trying to do things. But I feel like most of the time, he's not on beat. I feel like he records his rhymes to a beat, and then they sort of just plop them all together. It may not even necessarily be the beat that's used in the song. It's almost like an Edward Hopper painting. It's like the, the rhymes are just screamed and splashed in there, and, and I feel like sometimes he's trying to say too much within a sentence, within a verse, uh, in between the line, in between the beat, and, and I just can't really fuck with it. I know he has a huge following and people fuck with him but after listening to that record two times i can't say i'm gonna listen to it ever again the highlight of the record that everybody is talking about is jay-z uh jay-z's verse one verse on a song called free which is a good song uh what's free it's a sort of a play on the biggie small song what's beef uh most deaf also did a version of that what's beef and they did what's free, you know, what is being free, what is uh, freedom of thought, what is free thinking. Um, Jay-Z dropped some gems. It's one verse. It's one verse. That doesn't uh, uh, work for me for a whole record. Um, sorry. Um, so my, my takeaway on the Meek Mill record is it, it's not for me. My takeaway on the Travis Scott sicko record, which is everybody's going sicko over it. I could give, I can't listen to that shit. I don't like that for, for a totally different reason. I don't like his whole thing. Like, uh, he doesn't look in the camera when pictures are getting took. He's a mystery. He's the same thing like his his girlfriend or his baby mama. Like, oh, we're too shy. We don't look into the camera. We were, we, we, were, we were, see, that's my tongue. Don't cut that out, Miles. That's my fucking tongue that got bit. Well, I bit it myself. We want to remain mysteries. We don't make eye contact. You bit that whole style from Snoop Dogg. When Snoop Dogg came out on the deep cover, 
song on the deep cover video. That's what he was doing. Okay? Now, I don't even know if you bit that from Snoop Dogg, but that ain't original. That ain't OG. Kylie Jenner, nothing you do is original. Those fucking Kardashians. I'm going to be honest. I watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians with my wife on Sunday. When the uh, entire fantasy football and regular football is over and all the real housewives of Atlanta are finished uh, being viewed, and then I watch 60 Minutes just to try to keep me balanced so my mind doesn't go totally in the fantasy football uh, Real Housewives of Atlanta gutter. After all that, there are times when I sit there with my wife. Now, I always have my phone in my hand. I will not watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians without my phone in my hand. I, I can't sit there and watch it uninterrupted. It's kind of like background noise. It's like elevator music. But them fucking broads, man, they are something else. On the last episode of, of Keeping Up with the Kardashians, uh, Kanye and Kim and the whole fucking clan finally went back to Paris. It, it, it's literally like a soap opera. They went back to Paris. Uh, it was the first time that Kim went back to Paris since uh, the robbery, which I don't make light of. That was fucked up. Uh, she's walking around with her fake ass, her fake tits, her fake lips. Everything's fake, and I'm looking at these people are looked at as beauty queens, and the, the whole thing is just a rubber job. It appears that their arms are altered or something, like they got the, the fat sucked out of them. Maybe that's just me. Maybe, maybe it's my TV, but that's what it looks like. They walk around with these ridiculous fake asses. Some shots, they have hair weaves. Some shots, they don't have... I'm just like, why are they so adored? But I'm sitting there watching it, so I'm like, if I'm a guy who's reluctantly watching it, if you're like a real, true, hard-body fan, this is like uh, heavenly. This is like an ice cream sundae. This is like sex to people that are fans with them because it's just all of them. And it's nonstop. I, I, just, don't, I just don't understand the shit. Uh, I don't know how we got on the Kardashians. Oh, from Meek Mill to Travis Scott. Speaking of another just like a shit fling, Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson, go the fuck away with your bullshit. You dumb motherfuckers, you little 24-year-olds, you're smoking weed, sucking on weed lollipops, you fell in love, you got your fucking names tattooed all, all over each other, you dumb fucks. You think you're like in, you're, you're in your little bubble, like, oh, we love each other. We understand each other. We're going to get married. Oh, then we're not going to get married. And then Ariana Grande makes a song about Pete Davidson, and Pete Davidson goes on Saturday Night Live, and all he can do on Saturday Night Live, his only skill set, the only thing he's good for on Saturday Night Live is talking about Ariana Grande. And, and we have to sit here and read about these two fucking knuckleheads. Pete Davidson, listen, I know you had a tough life. I know your story. I'm a fan. My man, yo, stop explaining the innuendos and intricacies of your personal feelings online. It ain't that serious, Duke. Nobody gives a fuck that you get bad. He's like, I, I've gotten bullied on social media so much. And as much as you guys want me to kill myself, I'm not. Nobody wants you to kill yourself. You're on social media. You're asking for it, Duke. This is that millennial bullshit. You're oversharing your feelings, Duke. 
You're the one that got her name tattooed all over your body. You're the one who said we were going to get married. You're the one who was hanging around all up in the videos. And then when she ghosted your ass, you're the one who keeps continuing to talk about her every single week on Saturday Night Live. What's your other tricks, Duke? What's your next trick, Duke? We saw you pull the rabbit out your hat. What else you got, money? I don't give a fuck that you're getting bullied on social media. I get bullied on social media. Everybody gets shit. You're bullied. You're getting bullied on social media. Bullied by who? People on social media that you don't know? Get some motherfucking big dick energy for real. You're supposed to be Mr. Big Dick Energy. Get some big dick energy and man the fuck up. You're getting bullied on social media. So don't go on social media, Duke. And Ariana Grande, what? You, you're, you're a chicken head. You're a little chicken head. I, ha- I hate to say it, but you're a little chicken head, Ariana Grande. You, you got Pete Davidson's name tattooed on your body. You were all up in his ass talking about his dick game and his fuck style and all this shit. Then you ghosted him. Then you covered up your Pete Davidson tattoo with a Mac Miller, rest in peace, tattoo. Yo, you, you, you a messy chick. You, you're, you're on your way to being that Britney Spears, Christine Aguilera messy chick. You covered up your ex-fiance's tattoo with your other ex-boyfriend who passed away. I'm not making light of that. You covered it up with, you covered up Pete Davidson's tattoo with a Mac Miller tattoo. Yo, you, you, you messy. You, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. And all this is sh- like, yo, keep your shit quiet. I don't want to know about either one of these people's love interests or who hurt who or who left who. That shit is whack. Enough is enough. What's your next motherfucking trick, Duke? I am Rappaport Podcast. Former president George Bush passed away. I really don't have any opinion on George Bush. Um, His son, George W. Bush, he was on that bullshit um, but obviously, uh, when anybody passes, it's hard to make uh, light of it. Um, I don't know much about him. I never said that I know much about politics. Um, I certainly uh, can't really speak on what he did, didn't do, and all that. Uh, but when George H.W. Bush passed away this weekend, I immediately thought of a very underrated, underappreciated, hard body, hardcore public enemy song called Son of a Bush um, which I've always loved that song I've always loved that song and again it's, it's, it's not a very well known public enemy song but Chuck D lays it down and um, Chuck D does know a lot about uh, the Bushes uh, George W. Bush and his father George H.W. Bush um, and he made this song called Son of a Bush um, and in, in passing of George H.W., uh, uh, let's listen to a little bit of uh, Public Enemy's Son of a Bush. Uh, have you forgotten? I've been through the first term of rotten. The father, the son, and, and the Holy, holy Bush. We all in. Don't look at me. I ain't 
ain't calling for no assassination. Uh, I'm just saying, saying, who voted for that asshole of your nation? Deja Bush, crushed by the head rush when I wrote the bum rush. Saw you salute to the then vice pres who did what Reagan said. And then became pres himself, went for Delph, knee deep in his damn self. Stuck in a three-headed bucket, a trilateral Bush shit. Sorry, ain't no better way of putting it. No, you cannot freestyle this. Cause your ass still ain't free if I fight for y'all and they get me. Come on! How many y'all is coming to get me? None, cause it's easier to forget me. Ain't that a Bush? Son of a Bush is here all up in your zone. You ain't never heard so much soul to the bone, uh. I told y'all when the first Bush was tapping my telephone. Spy versus spy, can't trust him as you salute to the Illuminati. You know what? Take your ass to your one million party. Come on! He's the son of a bad man. He's the son of a bad man. Son of a bad He's the son of a bad man. That's that shit right there. That's a very, very good song you should check out and download and listen to it and read between the lines of. You know, one thing that I have uh, learned now that I have been paying more attention to politics, and again, I'm, I'm a novice, but you know what I don't like about any presidents, even Obama, and, and, and I'll say it, Michelle Obama, after they come out of office, it's like a whole other pers- persona. They got their, their hands tied behind their back. And I'll bet you Trump, when he finally leaves, he'll, he'll, he'll be the opposite. He'll be like more reserved, more docile. He'll be the only president that when he comes out of office, he'll be opposite in the other way. Um, like normally, um, whether it's George W. Bush, uh, Barack Obama, Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, uh, when they're out of office, they you get to know them a little bit more. So uh, Michelle Obama, the queen... She's the fucking queen. She's on her book tour, and she was speaking in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center. And it, it, it's like, you know, she lets her hair down. You know, she said a, a statement that if other, if other people said it would be controversial, but because Michelle Obama could do no wrong, and I fuck with Michelle Obama. I'm just like, you know, I wish there would have been a little bit more heat when she would have been in there. Talk a little bit more shit when you had been in there, because she said, uh, and I quote, uh, the great Michelle Obama, who also said, uh, when they go low, we go high, which I don't subscribe to. I say when they go low, uh, we go lower. When when they go low, we go into the fucking sewage system. I don't subscribe with trying to go high and be better. No, when you want to take it to the fucking streets, we go into the bottom, into the mud, into the dirt. Uh, and if need be, uh, we're down there playing hopscotch with the rats and roaches. That's what I subscribe to. But that is one of her famous uh, things that she said. But the other day in Brooklyn, she said, marriage still ain't equal, y'all. It ain't equal. I tell women that the whole you can have it all. Nope, that ain't the same. That's a lie. It's not always enough to lean in because that shit doesn't work. Whoa, you said shit. She said leaning in, you know, the famous thing that women said, lean in. Women, you know, should lean in to work and their will to lead. That uh, that woman, uh, the Facebook lady said, lean in. That don't always work. If somebody else had said that, if I said that, if a guy said, yo, that leaning in shit, that shit don't always work. It'd be, it'd be a big thing. But when she says that it's looked upon, uh, it's this, this grandiose statement, and I don't think so. No, I, I don't really think so. Yes, uh, marriage ain't equal. Life ain't fair. 
Having it all is, is not always accomplishable. You know, you don't get to reach all your dreams and goals. Nobody does. Some people do. I damn sure haven't. And there's nothing wrong with that. You got to keep swinging, keep hitting, keep evolving, keep rethinking, keep regain planning, and keep coming back. Not everybody gets to have it all. And even if you think the people that we might imagine have it all, they probably don't think they have it all. That's the beauty, frustration, pleasure, and pain of life. Having it all. I don't know anybody who could say, yes, I've had it all. You know, there's some celebrities and some, you know, Bill Gates and this one and Barbara Streisand. I don't know who the fuck says they have it all. I certainly don't have it all. I don't have anybody in my phone who has it all. Nobody has it all. Uh, the great uh, Hall of Fame stickmen. Mm, sometimes there's lonely nights. Sometimes there's lonely morning. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, he ain't wifed up. He don't got a wife. He don't have kids. He might not want a wife. He might not want a kid. He might not uh, be able to find the right woman. He might just be able to uh, continue to, to stick and move, stick and move, to quote the great uh, um, Das Effects. I don't think anybody completely has it all. Michelle Obama wrote a book. It's the best-selling book of 2018. You know why she wrote the book? Because she wanted more money. That's why she wrote the book. Obviously, she had something to say, but she wrote the book to make money. She wrote that book to make money. So obviously, she doesn't have it all uh, as far as the bank account in terms of what she wants out of life. All right, you know what? Let's, uh, I'm not even going to call us sick fucks of the week. I'm just going to get into this. I am Rapport Stereo Podcast is known for the sick fucks of the week segment. Wait, what am I talking about? Miles Jordan, please let me get the sick fuck of the week theme music. That's the sick fuck of the week theme music. Uh, that is an award that is earned, not given. Earned, but not given. Um, the holiday season is upon us. Um, and the sick fucks, the sensitive sick fucks, are out and about. A radio station in Ohio, Cleveland, Cleveland, has has buckled to the pressure of from a couple of sensitive, overly sensitive, sick fucks who are claiming that the classic song, Baby, It's Cold Outside, do you know the song I am talking about? The call and response song from the 1930s or 1940s, Baby, It's Cold Outside. Miles Jordan, please play a little clip from this song. You know, on second thought. Yes? I really can't stay. Baby, it's cold outside. I've got to go away. Baby, it's cold outside. This evening has been... Hoping that you drop in. So very nice. I'll hold your hands. They're just like ice. My mother will start to worry. Beautiful, what's your hurry? My father will be pacing the floor. Listen to the fireplace roar. So really, I'd better scurry. Beautiful, please don't hurry. Well, maybe just a half a drink more. Put some records on while I fall. The neighbors might But baby, it's bad out there. Say, what's in this no drink? Cabs to be had out there. I wish I knew how. Your eyes are like stars right now. break this spell. I'll take your hat. 
Your hair looks swell. I ought to say no, 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 Mind sir. if I move in closer? At least I'm gonna say that I try. What's the sense of hurting my pride? I really can't Oh, stay. baby, don't hold out, baby. Oh, it's cold outside. Uh, some sensitive sick fucks in Ohio are saying that this song is offensive and it's creepy um, and it's sort of date rapey and shut the fuck up. Shut your fucking overly sensitive mouth and this radio station is a bunch of snowflake sick fucks. I want these people that protested this song to go on all the hip-hop station songs and protest every single hip-hop song out there because you can find something offensive in all of them, whether it's a drug reference, a sex reference, a fuck reference, a shake my ass reference, a get money reference, but you won't do that because that's not your that's not your culture, right? That, that, that like we're not going to talk about that. We'll we'll just we're going to complain about baby, it's cold outside from the 1940s. If you're really bout it, bout it, go on the hip hop stations to complain about at least 85 percent of the programming. Oh, all the other music. There's so many classic rock songs that are sexually fueled and all that. There's so many hip-hop songs that are sexually fueled, but you want to talk about this song? Well, then don't stop there. Get some sick, fuck, sensitive balls and go after all the other songs. And if I'm running the station, like this station in Cleveland, WDOK, when you call up complaining, I tell you to eat dicks. That's what I'm saying when you're complaining. You don't like it? Eat dicks. I don't give a fuck, dude. Take that shit somewhere else. Take your little snowflake shit somewhere else. Sick fuck of the week number two. This is a follow-up. The wife of former football coach who was having sex with his players. The wife of a former high school football coach was having sex with with her husband's players is saying that the 14-year-old boy was a willing participant. (sighs) You sick fuck. Uh, Of course he was a willing, probably scared, nervous, um, peer-pressured, freaked-out participant. Kelsey McCarter, we're going to lock you up. That's rape. I don't think any of it's funny. We can make jokes, yo, he's 14, he was fucking the football coach's wife. Yo, if you're gonna, you wanna talk about me too, women's right, fairness, la 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 la, lock her ass up too, because if it was a 29-year-old husband of of the volleyball coach's uh, wife, and this happened to a 14-year-old girl, we'd be like, get this motherfucker in jail and give him the Wonder Bread bag treatment. Sorry, sweetheart, we're locking you the fuck up. The judge in South Carolina, Conway, South Carolina, who sentenced uh, a woman who was raped. She was raped with just nothing funny about. She sentenced a woman who was raped, who got her attacker, stalked the attacker, stripped him, and then stripped the skin of his genitalia off with a potato peeler. This is a hero. This is a hero. This woman was raped. A 37-year-old woman was raped. Okay? She found the guy who raped him. Somehow or another, she was able to get him down, attack the motherfucker, 
and she 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 scraped money's loaf she scraped his pipe with a potato peeler uh build her a statue Build her a statue. She should be giving self-defense classes and therapy for everything she's been through. How dare this sick fucking judge? How dare this sick fucking judge who sentenced this woman after being attacked? So what do you sentence the person who raped her to? They're equal? No. She was raped. Anybody wishes that they, if they were raped, they can go after the person, strip them down, and then damage their loaf with a potato peeler. Case dismissed. Speaking of big dick energy, uh, a man on the train, the N train in New York City, 61-year-old guy. Uh, his name is Costa Kalaki. Uh, he's seen in a picture on the train. He's a 61-year-old guy with gray hair and a mustache. He's uh, seen in the train with what looks like a hefty pipe. My man's dick game uh, from the picture looks insane. It's like hanging halfway down his leg. Well, I guess he doesn't wear underwear. He wears boxer shorts and, and his pipe just falls below the boxer shorts. I don't know what he's working with. It's just a, like an iPhone picture. But he was accused of fondling himself on the train. They caught him, went to court, and my man used the big dick defense. And he got off. He said, I don't know what they're talking about. I'm well endowed. My dick game is insane. And I was just scratching myself. I wasn't trying to offend anybody. There's no lewd conduct. I wasn't self-stroking. And the judge said, case dismissed. Uh, so that's not really a sick fuck. Uh, but I wanted to give a shout out to my man in uh, Queens, 61 years old, uh, who, who's definitely a land pipe. And the funny thing about this dude is he's a construction worker. I wonder if he works in the piping department. But um, um, finally, uh, before we get to Paulie Malanaji breaking down the fight quickly, it's ten minutes with the Magic Man breaking down Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury, uh, and then a banger interview with James Harrison Debo talking all things NFL, all things fitness, and all that. Um. My last sick fuck of the week, a psychic. I don't believe in psychics at all. I think it's a the biggest scam running ever. Some psychic, some phony baloney psychic has been accused. She's been busted for scamming a woman out of $12,000. This kooky psychic named Janet Lee in Scarsdale, New York, which is a suburb out of New York, said that uh, she was uh, tricking uh, the third-degree larceny, uh, ripping off a 64-year-old local resident, one of her clients, uh, for $12,000 in services. <sighs> Yo, I went to a psychic two times. That shit does not work. That psychic shit is some bullshit. You're not able to read what's going on on the other side. Sorry, crazy lady. I'm sorry, crazy lady. She said she was able to read about a dark force plaguing the victim for years, yada, yada, yada. Next thing you know, she scammed this poor prick out of $12,000 while you're busted. Well, now you're going to have to figure out a way to get out of prison. See if you could psychically figure out a way to get out of prison or what's going to happen in your afterlife. We're locking you up. All right, that's it. 
that's it. Coming up next, Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast. Paulie Malinaji is rocking with me, breaking down Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, what he thought, who he thought won, and what is the future of these two guys getting back in the ring together. Coming up right now, my main man, the magic man, Paulie Malinaji. Men, sometimes we are terrible. We're not good of taking care of our health, whether it's a knee injury, a back injury, or something worse. Guys are, are sometimes just more comfortable rubbing some dirt on it and acting like it doesn't exist rather than going to see a doctor. The same is true for erectile dysfunction. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED do not get treated for it. You always want to be able to perform. Thankfully, Roman created an easy, discreet way to get checked out by a doctor and treated for ED online. Roman is a one-stop shop where licensed U.S. physicians can diagnose ED and ship medication right to your door privately. No waiting rooms, no weird, uncomfortable face-to-face conversations, and no uncomfortable trips to a pharmacy. Nobody wants that. That's why we don't treat it. You can handle everything discreetly, privately, online. All you have to do is visit GetRoman.com champ. Fill out a brief medical onboarding, chat with a doctor, and get FDA-approved ED medications delivered to your door in discreet, unmarked packaging. There's nothing to be ashamed of. For a free online visit, go to GetRoman.com champ. That's GetRoman.com champ. Always. Paulie Malinaji, I appreciate you coming back on the podcast again. I am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Let's just jump into this. Paulie, who won, in your opinion, the Tyson Fury Deontay Wilder heavyweight championship fight that took place a few days ago? Who was the winner based on what you saw? Based on what I saw, I, th- I felt uh, Tyson Fury was a clear winner. You know, I didn't think that uh, there was a lot to to give Deontay Wilder. You know, I thought it was a good fight. I thought Deontay, in his own right, did some things well, and uh, you know, including make it a, a an almost spectacular finish. But I think overall, the consistency was on the side of Tyson Fury, and he was very, very much more consistent. Do you think you can give away a belt, a heavyweight belt, um, without clearly winning? You know, I saw the fight live, which I'm never going to a fight live again because, you know, just being screamed at, yelled at. And at the end of the day, you can't see the fight, Um, you know, with all the replays and all the, the, you know, people walking your way, the referee gets in your way, a a turnbuckle gets in your way. There's all sorts of shit. And unless you're sitting where you sit, when you're sitting right, you know, right there, it's so hard to see specific, like particularly this fight, like, you know, I was watching the best I can, but I, I can't tell you based on what I saw and I had good seats. Do you think like that? You can say Wilder that Fury won this fight and give away that heavyweight belt based on Saturday night's fight. Here's the thing, Mike. Sometimes I'm watching a fight, and like, for example, I'll give you an example. A few months ago, I was watching uh, Sean Porter and and Danny Garcia, and as they're fighting, I'm watching the fight, and it's it's really, really close, you know. And as I'm watching the fight, the both guys are doing good work. Both guys are having some moments, and I'm thinking to myself, you know what? Both of these, this fight, there's a lot of fights that you watch, and this, and you have this feeling, you know. And I get this feeling, and I say to myself during the fight, I said, you know what? This fight's gonna end, and both of these guys are gonna felt like feel like the winner, and one of them is gonna feel hard done by, you know. So, so I, I felt that 
I've been on fights while I'm watching it, and I felt that, you know? I didn't get that feeling Saturday night because I didn't feel like Wilder was doing almost any good work at all. You know, aside from the rounds where he got the knockdowns and maybe one other round, he was doing almost no good work at all, you know? For me, I'll, I'll give some rounds on, on a couple of criteria. You know, you if you can dismantle a guy with the jab, Right. Sometimes, sometimes you can eliminate the the fact that you land any combinations if you're not getting hit with anything significant. You can win around just with a jab if you're not getting hit with anything significant, or if not, you also can you know use combinations to win rounds as well. And sometimes you do both. You know, I felt like. I felt like they were the only guy who threw combinations in that fight was Tyson Fury. Yes. Deontay Wilder did Deontay Wilder didn't throw a single combination all night. And by combination, I don't mean unanswered punches. He threw unanswered punches, but he threw them all one at a time. So he didn't throw a single combination all night. So that therefore, by my criteria, you now have to go and win the jab war. And he got out jabbed. He got yes. out jabbed all night. So so he didn't do anything to win the fight, in my opinion. But he did score two big knockdowns, you know? But I, I, <laughs> mathematics is mathematics, bro. I, I, there's, he's just not even – he wasn't even competitive. Otherwise, you know, um, he did he did cement himself to me as a guy who's kind of like must watch TV. You know what I'm saying? Because he can he can end the fight at any point. He can get a knockdown at any point. He can also be hurt at any point. He's also floor enough to where he looks like he's gotten outclassed in certain moments, but then he can turn it around with one big punch, almost Arturo Gatti esque in a way. But mm. so he, he so he becomes he becomes fun to watch, and I'll give him that credit. But I didn't think he he was even close uh, to winning on Saturday night. I had that fight nine rounds to three. Floyd Mayweather, the one round I gave. Uh, uh, Deontay before the before the knockdowns were was uh, either two or three. I don't remember which one. So I, I think through five rounds, I had it about 4-1. Or, or through four rounds, I had it about 3-1. Uh, and Floyd comes up to me uh, behind me. You know, and before he got, this is before he got on camera. He, I take my headset off in between rounds, and I, I talked to him for a second. And he's telling me he didn't even give, he hasn't even given Deontay a round yet. You know, at that point, I had actually given Deontay one round. So I'm not the only one that feels this. You know, when, you, when you're sitting there, you, you got to have you gotta have one of the criteria that I, I spoke about. You know, you, you got to, if you're not going to win the fight with combinations, you gotta, you gotta at least win the jab war, you know. And this, and like I said, this, not only did this guy land the combination, he didn't, throw, he didn't even throw a combination all night. Literally, he didn't throw a combination, you know, all night, you know. And so, it's very hard to give a guy like that rounds, you know. Even if you right. can appreciate his style and his explosiveness, just like I appreciate the explosiveness, especially at the end of the fight, that explosiveness is obviously all, all and it leaves you in awe, you know. But uh, you know, it, it, I felt like it was a good fight, just spoiled by a, a rotten decision. Based on everything that I saw and hearing you talk about it and everybody else talk about it, and I didn't see the replay on TV and and reading everybody's opinions and thoughts, I feel like, well, maybe this should have been a draw because every it's sort of split down the middle in terms of uh, people that know what they're talking about, somebody like yourself, fans that know what they're talking about, like myself, which is the lower tier of knowing stuff. And, you know, Mike, it kind of feels like, well, maybe this Mike, actually was a draw. I'll tell you what, Mike, there's guys, I don't know who you consider, I don't know who you consider the guys that know what they're talking about or whatnot, but there's guys who are in this boxing business 20, 30, and 40 years that don't have a clue what they're talking about, don't have a clue what they're watching. <laughs> so so I don't I don't respect any of that. I respect what my eyes see. Right. You know, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even look at CompuBox numbers because those are just guys pressing buttons on their opinion of what lands. Oh. I don't even look at that. I don't even look at that, bro. I just look at what my eyes are seeing. I got what you. My eyes, what my eyes saw Saturday night was Fury out jabbing Wilder every round and Fury being the only guy to throw combination in every round only guy to throw a combination every round so so like and and while there's only one punch at a time and yes. missing most of the time and, and missing badly most of the time you know so so you he was he was almost being outclassed if you take the two knockdowns out of it he, if you take the two knockdowns out of that fight this guy's outclassed completely yeah you know I agree. Saying? then you then, then you add the two knockdowns into the fight you know okay it's two knockdowns but if, if the guy's outclassed completely aside from the two knockdown rounds 
it's mathematically impossible to win the fight. You know what I'm saying? Was Fury throwing a lot of punches? Because again, when I was like, I could see it, but you no, can't. No, he really... wasn't. I don't. I don't think he was throwing a lot of punches, but he was controlling the rounds with the jab. And when you're controlling the rounds with the jab, and this is a lot of a lot of it was uh, how I used to win fights. You control the rounds with the jab. You only need like a, a combination or two every round. If you don't get hit with anything, and you control the round with the jab, maybe a combination or two will win you the round. And, and maybe not even a combination or two if you don't get hit with anything and you just win win the jab war. You know, but. All he needed was a couple of combinations around and win and win the battle of the jabs at the distance. So Deontay can't really, you know, close the gap. And 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 there's no way you can give Deontay around. You know what I'm saying? When when it's happening like that, you know, it it, it wasn't really a hard fight to score, Mike. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. These fights are hard to score. Like that wasn't really a hard fight to score, in my opinion. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was it was pretty to me. It was pretty obvious what was happening every single round. You know, and and if and and anybody who gave Deontay the, anybody who's given Deontay more rounds than he deserves is rooting for Deontay. You know right. what I'm saying? And if and if you're rooting and if you're rooting for anybody, Deontay or Fury, you shouldn't be scoring the fight. You know, if you're, if you're planning on scoring the fight, you can't have a rooting interest. I otherwise, agree. you shouldn't be. Otherwise, you shouldn't even be scoring the fight. You know. So, so that's my opinion. Can a fighter like Deontay, who's so athletic, but like his variation of punches, particularly Saturday, was so limited, can he improve that at this stage in his career? Because you know, when you look at him, he, you know, he he's in great shape. You know, he doesn't get tired. Um, you know, he's got great. You know, he's got great size. He's got great length with his arms, and I don't feel like he uses that at, at this point in his career. Can he realistically add to his arsenal of punches? I think he's an athletic guy. I don't think he has to add to his arsenal of punches. I think he's punch, even his, his limited punch arsenal is still a very dangerous punch arsenal. He just has to improve on his delivery sometimes, you know? Um, the problem he had on Saturday night was he was taking his steps. I guess he's not used to fighting a taller guy. Clearly, mm -hmm. he was taking. He was. He was. His first step in when he threw a jab was a huge step. It was a big step. When you step too hard to throw a jab, you're going. You're going to give away the fact that you're going to throw right hand behind it. Mm -hmm. you, you stepped. You stepped in. You made too big of a step. You have to feint your way in and step in smoothly. And if you transition smoothly with the jab, you can let go of your right hand while it's hidden. You can basically hide the right hand and throw it right behind the jab. But if you step in so big. You're putting yourself off balance, and so when you throw the right hand, the guy's gonna know it's coming even before you even think about throwing it. You right. know what I'm saying? Because because you put yourself out of position to be able to double a jab, to be able to do anything else with the left hand. So the only thing you can do is throw a right hand at that point. So the guy knows to only look out for a right hand when you've taken a big step in on your first jab, especially if you missed the first jab. You know, mm -hmm. which most of the time, which most of the time, Deontay did. All right, well, Paulie the Magic Man, Malanaji. Um, my last question. I'm gonna let you go. I appreciate this. I know you're in a restaurant. I love talking boxing with you. It sucks that it's always on the time. phone because I want to do a deep dive. Who's yeah. going to win the Adrian Bronner uh, uh, Pacquiao fight? Um, you know, you, you, people are favoring Pacquiao in the fight. I think it only comes down to what kind of legs Pacquiao has left. Broner has a, has a bad habit of only punching when he's at close range. He doesn't punch his way into range. And so you can actually keep him from, if you fight him at a certain range, at a certain distance, you can keep him from ever getting punches off, you know? And he, and he, and he kind of puts his hands in his pocket, so to speak. Pacquiao has the legs to where he can do that. Then you know what? And Broner wouldn't will be basically not getting his hands off all night. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? But if but if Pacquiao's got old legs and we don't know if he's got old legs because he's 40 and so you know you don't know how that comes up, and, and then Broner can close the gap. Broner becomes dangerous because when Broner does get into his distance and, and he does close the gap, he's very creative with his combinations and he lands some very good shots. But he he can only do that when he got when he's at a certain range, and that will and, and to me that will depend on how good Pacquiao's legs are and what he has left in them. All right, well, Paulie, I appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate your insight. I appreciate your passion and your knowledge of boxing because it's such a sport that, like you said, even the people that you know are, are the so-called experts, uh, they don't know as much. I know, I know uh, nothing, and I feel like I know a lot more than most assholes. 
Um, so I appreciate your expertise. You know what it is, Mike? It, it's not about expertise. It's not about how long you've been watching the fight. It, it's about if you can tell me what you score the fight and you tell me how you got to that conclusion. Somebody has to be able to explain every right. single thing of that conclusion. If they can properly explain it, then I can I can listen to their two cents. If somebody's giving me a BS explanation about how they re, how they got to that they conclusion. They don't know what the I know fuck they're talking I, about. I don't, I don't know what they're – yeah, they don't know what they're talking about because you have to give, have a very good reason to be able to break down and explain how you got to that conclusion. Just like I explained to you about how I got to my conclusion. You have to give me a tactical breakdown of how you get to a certain conclusion. And even guys who've been watching this forever don't can't explain some, how they get there. They give you like a, a very generic, vague explanation because they don't even have a, a clue what they're watching. You know, and that's my problem. And, and you know, the reality is it's, it's not basketball or football or baseball, which, you know, anybody um, has played or still plays where you have some sort of grasp and understanding of it. It's boxing. And either you've done it, uh, which you're going to have a different understanding of it, or you've just watched it, and it's a, just a totally different thing. If you play a lot of basketball, obviously you're going to have a, a better understanding than someone who doesn't. Yeah, of course, of course. And you know what? This is such a difficult sport that even guys that have done it, to break it down and explain it, sometimes you know they don't always they don't always get it either. You know I what I'm saying I'm just I feel like you know uh, I, I I may not have been the best fighter. But I know the X's and O's very well. I was always a guy who was forced to understand the X's and O's because I didn't have big power to get myself out of my problems. So I had to understand the X's and O's very well, and it's translating uh, into my uh, uh, broadcasting career. Oh, I love you as a broadcaster, and I said that to you before. And uh, I mean, as great of a fighter as you are, you're, you're just as good, if not better, of a broadcaster. So I wish you continued success. And the next time we do the podcast, we have to sit down. Maybe we get Nick Turtle. We have a little Nicky Red Sauce, yeah. and we do it correctly. All right, Paulie. Yeah. That sounds like a plan to me, brother. All right, Paul. Like, thanks for taking the time, my man. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. I want to thank Paulie Malinaji, the magic man, for rocking with me on the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. You could always catch Paulie doing the broadcast for all Showtime fights. I'm sure he will be uh, talking extra uh, on the replay of the Showtime uh, replay of the fight Saturday, which uh, is going down if you didn't see the Wilder Fury fight. And now we have Big... Debo, big Debo, James Harrison, former Pittsburgh Steeler. He's a Pittsburgh Steeler for life. Controversial figure. Was always accused of being a dirty player. Won NFL Defensive Player of the Year. Won the Super Bowl. Ran back a 100-yard interception for a touchdown. You know who he is. James Harrison. Let's go. I am Rapport Stereo Podcast. Test, test, test. One, two, three, four, five. The soft-spoken words. Icon. I've been wanting to have you on my podcast for so long. I've been a fan. You got? Is that pink? You got on a pink shirt. It's called uh, Cer- C- uh, Cer- Cerise. It's called pink. No, no, no. No, that's, that's, that's pink. I mean, but yo, you, you look good in the... I mean, I couldn't rock a pink shirt. I'm just saying, like, it yeah, doesn't yeah. go with my skin tone. Yeah, and yeah. and you know, you, but but you you look good. Dark. It, it yeah, I mean, you gotta you, tone, you yeah. gotta be able to carry a pink exactly. shirt. Exactly. My man James Harrison, Debo is what they call him. Two-time Super Bowl champion, five-time Pro Bowler, all-time leading sack artist. Didn't even get drafted. You know, I didn't know that. Yeah. Undrafted in 2002. How could out. you have not been drafted? I went. I came out of Kent State. So Kent State is Division One, but it's not considered a powerhouse in football. So, um, that's why. Were you a good like high school player? Yeah, 
I so, mean, in high school, I could have went anywhere I wanted to go. I had some issues in high school. Um, my senior year, I got suspended my first game. I well, got, for what? Did you did you well, spear somebody? Games. What do we no, do? No, no, I was gonna fight my coach, so <laughs> I got suspended for that. And I got suspended my last game my senior year because of um, unsportsmanlike conduct. So if you got two penalties, then you got suspended for the next game. So I got suspended for that. And then at the end of my senior year, I was facing six months for assault. I was facing six months in jail for assault. So, like, I could have went anywhere I wanted to go. Like, my my schools that I were actually, like, looking at, like, actually going to was Nebraska, Ohio State. And then I found out you had to fly to Nebraska, and I wasn't keen on flying. So that was canceled. And then, you know, through everything else, like, I could have went anywhere. Like, you name it, I okay. had, I had so, a letter. So you, were, you, were, you weren't one of these guys that were flying under oh, the yeah. radar? Right, so yeah, I, I was know. highly recruited okay. out, of, out of college. Like even the visits that I ended up taking before, I went to uh, I went to Ohio State, I went to Michigan State, um, Michigan, and then things happened, and I and I was supposed to, like I, said, I was supposed to go to Nebraska. Um, you know, I could have went to Notre Dame. You name it. You know what I'm saying? Um, but those are the three visits I took, and then my last one was to Kent State because that was really that was all that was left that. You know, I had that actually still wanted me. And so you, you were gonna do six months for assault, or you? you I was did being six charged months. for assault, and they were trying the the you know the. Uh, the Who did you assault? I didn't assault anybody. It was a BB gun. See, it's <laughs> see, a, that, see that. This is what I was expecting because you're you're like not what people think. Like you're you're like a. Well, see, you're I, I got I got to rewind back. I went to an almost all white school. Okay. And what ended up happening is. I went to Hoban, which was a private Catholic school. Ended up leaving there and going to uh, Bookto, which is the school I was supposed to go to. And the coach that ended up was coaching at Hoban, Mo Tipton, he ended up leaving there and going to Coventry and came and got me from Bookto. And I ended up going to Coventry. So when I went to Coventry, uh, when we got there, like it was like six, seven bras now because he had brought six, seven bras. And when they came, when we came, we took the starts of – the white guys that have been playing there all the time. It happens. So it ended up being one of the guys who thought he should have been playing over me. My senior year, we passing the BB gun around like in training camp. This is like August. And, you know, people are getting shot. It's a spring load BB gun. Pop, pop, you know, pop, pop. Coach actually shot somebody. Pop, pop, whatever. So come halfway through the year around December, the kid that played running back ended up leaving, going to a different school. So when he left and went to a different school, I guess his parents decided they were going to tell what happened. With the BB gun. Back in August. I got you. And they told and they told the story wrong, and it ended up being that the kid that I shot, his parents didn't care. They were like, oh, it was all in fun and games, whatever. But they thought that I had shot a different guy, a different boy. And that boy, his parents wanted to press charges. They weren't going to let this this black boy just shoot their little kid. Da, da, With a da. BB gun, though, accidentally. Right. No, it wasn't an accident. We were just, we were just passing around shooting each other. We were just having fun. You know what I'm saying? And the coach ended up being the one, our, our, our actual linebacker coach, ended up being the one that shot him. I got you. So This is a non-story. Dude, they went through a whole investigation. And the school was like, all right, yeah, we didn't find nothing. So she kept pressing it, and they actually brought in the sheriffs. And the sheriffs came in and did like a month and a half investigation where they took everybody downtown, everybody this downtown one by one. Yeah, they actually called it BB Gate. I guess at that time, Watergate or something was going on. They called it BB Gate. Like, this was like a real thing, dude. Like, and ended up finding out that 
the one that was had an issue, the coach had actually shot. So the coach ended up getting fired, losing his job. So when they came to the school and they had sorted out everything, so everybody's going down there and they're like, no, nah, man, I ain't say nothing. You know, I ain't said nothing. You know, I held tight, da, 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 right? So I'm the last one that they brought down there and I'm 18. So at that time, they're like, well, we're not, you know, we don't have to. I'm like, cool, that's whatever. So I'm sitting in there with this dude, man, and he's questioning me like I didn't kill somebody, dude. Right. And he's like, what happened? So my mom, had already, I already told my mom and dad, like, exactly what happened because I don't lie to them. Like, I'm going to tell you the truth. She's like, you tell me the truth. So I'm, I'm like, I just told her the truth. Like, this is what happened. Coach shot this dude. I shot this dude. All right. She's like, listen here. You don't go here. You don't snitch. You just tell them what you did, and then you keep it moving. So I come in. I'm like, listen, this is what happened. Well, who shot this and that? I'm like, I don't know. I said, I'm just telling you what I saw, what happened. I don't know about nothing else. Da, da, da. Three and a half hours. Three and a half hours, dude. And this dude in here, big, bald, white dude, man. <laughs> he slams his fist on the table as hard as he can. He says, I done broke murderers and killers. You think I won't break you? This is crazy. I said, I ain't murdered or killed nobody, though. They actually ends up bringing my parents back into the room after three and a half hours of questioning. And my mom is like, go ahead and tell them, you know, da, da, da. Dude, these cats then went down there and they done told everything. They done brought out tapes and well, so and so told us. I'm like, I don't know what he said. I said, that that could be a lie. I don't No one lost an eye, lost hearing, no nothing. Nothing. This nothing. Is crazy. At the same school now. So this go ahead. Listen, at the same school, the wrestling team ended up winning states. So all the kids that wrestled, they're in a the hotel room with the coaches. And a few of the parents, and they're getting fired up, drunk. They got pictures and everything. The pictures come out, and nothing happens to anyone. They were all white, though. What? What? what where are you from? <laughs> what city? What? Akron. I'm from Akron. From Akron. Mm -hmm. Same place that uh, LeBron. a very good basketball player is from. Yeah, yeah. LeBron James. Yeah. But you're older than LeBron James. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 40. So are you the king of Akron, or is he the king of Akron? LeBron, and, and, LeBron is. The, they say LeBron is the king of Akron. LeBron, yeah, LeBron could be the king of Akron. That's I have no issue with that. Well, what, what is Akron like? Because you very know, small. Is it is it is it rural? Everybody knows everybody. Like, like how my big is people it? know his people. His people know my people. It's, it's not, not like, a big place. Yeah. No. Is it a tough place? Like, is it is it working class? Like, what is it? Because Akron. It's Akron, man. People work, you know. It's a very, very small city, man. It might be like a hundred, two hundred thousand, you know, in the in the whole thing. Like, okay. Everybody knows somebody, and, and <laughs> it's not like somebody's not going to know somebody else. Okay. Like, um. Now, there's so many things to talk to you about. There's no way I'm going to get to all of it, but you know, obviously, when you, you you ran back the touchdown, that's like when you made national attention. Um, but one of the things, and I can't remember where I saw it, but I remember I, I started paying attention to you off the football field. It was some show or something, and it was you know all about your training, and and that was cool. But we've seen that with athletes. But the thing that I remember, and you inspired me to do this, and I told you this over uh, uh, in Instagram, the acupuncture mm -hmm. and the cupping, yeah, which you've posted on Instagram, and, and you know it's been like sort of like talked about throughout your career. How did you wind up getting into that? Um, what, what it why do you do it do you still do it like what's your whole take on it because I, I was always like fascinated my, my my thing at the time when i first started doing it was it was uh actually a guy i played ball with james ferrier and he ended up introducing me to uh the person that he was using and you know they're like hey it works it feels good you'll feel good you may be a little sore the next day after your first time but you know after your first few times but you'll feel good the next day it really like brings you back so you know i'm like you know what i'm gonna try it you know the hell with it and uh, the first game I did it, it was like a, a Friday or a Thursday. 
before uh, the Baltimore game in 2007, where I ended up having like like nine, ten tackles, like three sacks, three and a half forced fumbles, all that stuff. So from that point forward, I was so. And is is it something like uh, that? You do you still do yeah, it? I still do it because you know when you I were still playing, do it at least uh, I, well in between once once a week and once every two weeks. When you were playing, how often would you do it? Uh, up to three times a week. And is it true, like, I remember, like, it was a couple of years ago, like, it was, like, that you put in $250,000 a year while you were playing for all this maintenance. Is that true? Anywhere from two fifty to almost half a million, yeah. On what, though? I mean, acupuncture and uh, cupping. Treatment. Well, see, you got, you got to realize, like, acupuncture is not that expensive. But right. when I tell you I want a certain person to do it, because I only had one person that ever gave me acupuncture. Well, I had two other people, but they were horrible. Uh-huh. And I never used them again, trying to lessen the bill, cheapen uh-huh. the bill. So when I say, you know what, I want this person to come give me acupuncture, that now means that person has to leave their home state. So now I have to pay them a day rate of what it is they can make for leaving their home state, plus their flight, plus their stay. So that right there, that could be, hell, depending on what it is or what state they're coming from, what they make, you know, that could be $3,500 just for that trip. Right. Um. Same thing with uh, like a person that does does my cupping and all the other stuff. Same. That thing. was a different person. Yeah, this is all different people. I have a different person that does cupping. I have a different person that does uh, acupuncture. I have a different person that does dry needling. Have a different. Wow. Per- I have a different person that uh, a, chiro- a chiropractor. I have a chiropractor that I go to that won't travel, um, and you know so on and so on. You can keep going. You know my trainer is in is in Arizona, so when I have to have him come in, then that's that's a that's another you know thing. I got to have everybody. Nobody is based in Pittsburgh. I got you. Do you feel like that? Because, I mean, you, you know, you walk around like you you seem like, I mean, I see you a couple of times, but you seem to move well, you know, just walking. Do you feel like it was money well spent? Oh, definitely. Why? Yeah, I feel good. I, I, I've seen guys that are in my <laughs> position that are in my age, and they're like, dude, man, I can't bend over. I can't do this. I can't do that. And like I said, it's not even that. Like, I did things you know as far as uh like i said I, I would go and leave and go to go to canada and do things like uh like i had a back i had back surgery so i would get stem cells or or whatever shot into like my facet joints uh. and, and things like that or and this this is like an outside thing on top yeah. of what your team at the like assuming it's the team, steelers team teams don't do much for you other than ice and stem to be honest with you they're so far behind with their uh medical care as far as you know that that goes but Everything is really based on yourself. And that's why you see, like, now it's hard to find a guy that's 39, 40 years old that's not in a, a kicker or quarterback position that's still playing in this game because your body is going to break down if you don't take care of it. That's why now a 30-year-old guy that's playing football, he's considered old. Right. Because that is, like, a long time for a person that is just using the facilities or the, or the accommodations that they give you. And this whole, you know, I mean, it's like, uh, what what do they call it? Um, uh Asian medicine, uh, Eastern, uh, what, is, what is it called? What is it referred to? The, the, Eastern medicine. Eastern medicine. Like At this point, you're like extremely knowledgeable about it. The, the thing is, I mean, I understand that it's built on blood flow. Uh, the person that does mine, it's, it's not even uh, uh, like your ancient, you know, uh, like, you know, regular acupuncture. I'm Right now, I'm anywhere from 400 to 420 needles front and back. And I'm 
you know, they're hitting blood flow points, which is natural, ac regular acupuncture, plus they're hitting trigger points, and then they're running the length of a muscle. So I'm hitting from the rooter to the tooth all the way through, and some people say, oh, that's too much, it's this and that. Well, if it may be too much for you, but it's not for me. I know what works for me. Right. And I know if I come to you as a regular acupuncture and you put 12 needles in me, I'm going to leave there feeling the same as I did before I came in, and I'm not going to feel any better tomorrow or the day after that or right. the day after that. Uh, well, I, I respect it. Honestly, I mean, I, I got into cupping because, like, I was like, I got to try this, and I dig it. I just don't, like, I, I look crazy after I... You don't like the marks, yeah. I look yeah. nuts. Everybody do. Yeah, but I look, I mean, my skin, like, I look fucking, like, I look like something happened to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I mean, like, it looks cool. But the thing is, once, like, once you're seen with it, they're like, and they see it again, they're like, oh, he got cupped. Yeah. Like, even when I see somebody. Like, I don't I'm look like, like I got cupped. I look like like so, like so I got it's some. It's a circle. It's too perfect. Yeah. It looks cupped. Yeah. If you, you, next time I get cupped, I'm going to send you pictures. You'll say, you don't look like you got cupped. Like, I just, I don't have the makeup for it. What are you working? At? What's your workout now? Like, you trip everybody out with your workouts. First of all, your workouts, when you're hitting uh, tires and all this, are you doing this for Instagram or is that like somebody filming you doing your workout when you were playing? Because some of them, no, I was like, is it, that was you're for real? Tires, it's, uh, Not if, the if, flipping, if, like the sledgehammer. If, if, if I'm hitting a tire with a sledgehammer, it's usually core work. And I'm swinging a sledgehammer either from the side or straight down from the middle, and you're working your core. So, who's making this? Um, My trainer. So your trainers come because like it would be like you do it like with chains and all this crazy uh -huh. stuff. Stability when you're doing chains. Well, most of the time we're doing chains is about uh, weight adding and the, uh, uh, subtracting weight just from the chains hitting the floor and right. coming up. Um, when you're using bands and all that stuff, it's more stability controlling the weight so that it's harder to stay in one uh, motion. Got so, you. Like if you were to do that same thing that I did with like single uh, dumbbell, like with a band bell bar or something. Like when I'm holding like press, 75s or whatever. Right, now, if you take 75s and you put it on, uh, put it on bands with, you'll actually do like this where you can't hold it because you're your state your stability muscles that hold the back and forth won't be strong enough to do it. You're strong enough to go in this motion. But once you add that instability, you won't be able to it change the same the thing whole with thing. a bench. Like I can bench four hundred pounds like this. You now, could do that now? Yeah, yeah, I could do that now easily. But if I was to go and put four hundred pounds on bands, I'd be I'd be moving like this trying to get it up. It changes the whole program. Yeah. yeah. All right. The Pittsburgh Steelers. I've, you know what my first question is going to be. I'm sure you've been asked this 400 times this whole season. Le'Veon Bell, what is your take on the whole Le'Veon Bell thing? Did, did he screw up his money, and do you think that— No. Why not? Because at the end of the day, it's a business, and he's making a business decision that is good for him. The team is only upset when it don't go their way. So now they try and turn everyone against you because now they're, they're like, oh, the thing people can't get past is $14.5 million. 14, how do you turn down 14.5 million? This is how you turn down 14.5 million. Because if he goes out there and he plays for 14.5 and he tears his knee up and he can't come back the way that he was when he should have been guaranteed 45 to sign, that's how you turn down 14.5. Mm -hmm. And the fact that this is the second time they franchise him lets him know that this is not exactly what they want. They're not going to give you a long-term deal. Because if that was the case, this would have been the year they did it. Even though he showed that he played on the franchise tag the year before do you think, were you surprised? I mean, you know the makeup of this team. Obviously, there's there's younger guys, but you're a Pittsburgh Steeler. You're part of the lore of Pittsburgh Steelers. And when you were there, uh, it, it just felt like a tight-knit group. Were you surprised 
uh, by the chirping. I don't even remember who it was. I know it was pouncing. It was a couple. Were you surprised? Yeah, at- I ain't gonna lie. I was surprised. I, I uh, to be honest with you, I was I was surprised, but not as surprised as I was because when I went through my situation, you know, when I ended up being uh, released and going to New England, so I was I was I was surprised still, but not as surprised as I would have been if that situation hadn't happened first. So with me. And the the guys I play with, you know, the Super Bowl teams that we play with, we we never ever counted somebody else's money. Our whole thing was we wanted everybody to get the most you can, do what's best for you. That's even when Heinz Ward held out. You didn't have a team talking about, oh, you're doing this to us. You're this. No, you're doing that for you. We like pay Heinz. Get him in here. Right. You know, we're we're not upset. We're we're, we're not you know going against him and, and, and saying, you know, inflammatory things, it, that just, I, I don't know, that just made that just made no sense to me. It, it made no sense to me, especially from that team, because it just seemed like win, lose, or draw, the Steelers are the Steelers, you know, and I, I don't know, how, you know, you know the makeup and the personalities, and there's 50-something people, and then there's trainers and this, that, mm-hmm. and the other. It, it was surprising, especially coming from, from veterans, and uh, I just was surprised. What, what's going to happen with Le'Veon in terms of like, I- explain to me from a business point of view, because you obviously understand. What's the- going to happen with Le'Veon is he's going to be free unless they unless they franchise tag him again. Which, which means what? That means they would have to pay him like 20 something million dollars for one year, which means he can't go anywhere and he has to deal with them again. Or if they transition tagging, which means he can talk to other teams, but they have a right to match it, which I don't see them doing. It's over there, right? Right, right. Because it was it was a comment that Mike Tomlin said. I believe it was before the uh, uh, Ravens game where he said he wanted volunteers and not hostages. So if he was to go into franchise him again or transition tag him again, then he would be holding a hostage again. I mean, if your statement is that true and you mean that, I don't see why you wouldn't have let Le'Veon free then. But it, it, if that's something you just, it sound good to say or it's something you actually meant, I don't know. But this end of this year, beginning into next year, will tell the truth. Yeah, I mean, I don't see how after all this, he could come back and play for the Steelers. It just doesn't, it just mm-hmm. seems like it's just gotten too messy. Right. I mean, to actually come back into that locker room, things said can't be taken away, you know, that's on record forever. Yeah, um... What do you make of the, this season? Like, it's calmed down. The beginning of the season, it was nuts, though. With the hitting, you can hit. Uh, my guy from the Green Bay Packers with, with the golden locks, they jerked him, I think, twice on hits. The, the helmet to helmet. I mean, I obviously, this is a stupid question um, because everybody would make adjustments. You would make adjustments. But, but there's so much scoring this year, and that's fun. Fans like it international, Mexico City. They want to build the brand of the NFL. Um... Would you be able to play at your highest level? Like, how much of a handcuff would you, James Harrison, have with these rules that they're implementing and that they've implemented? All you could do is is try and adjust to what they want. Um, you know, the the helmet thing was you know highly penalized early in the year, and they got to a point to where they realized that they were looking for what they were already calling, which is spearing, with your head straight down. And once they got to that point, then it was cool, but. You would you would you would just adjust. It's not it's it's not it's not necessarily you know that hard because what they're looking for is what we would consider dirty play anyway. Um, now the things of where you're holding a guy and you come in and you smash him. Now that would be something where guys would have to be a little hesitant because back in the day that's just come that's just called cleaning up the pile. You know? Right. 
you know, and that was just part of the game. Like, you don't want him to slip free. You got a guy holding him. They haven't blew the whistle yet. Now, if you come down there and you smash him, it's a penalty. Now, if you come down and you don't smash him and he slips free and now he gets breaks and, and scores a touchdown, mm-hmm. you look you look like a goofball. Mm-hmm. Do you think the rules – like The rules are set for scoring because of what the of fans want to see. But it's, it's, it's fans and fantasy football. That's it. That's what they want. Fantasy football is what's making a lot of money. The fans is what's for the giving NFL? them the money. Do they make a lot of money for the NFL fantasy? Yeah. How does yeah. it make a lot? By the way, it, you know it, that, but just just so you're clear, just so we're clear, you know that I'm a senior fantasy football analyst. I just want to make sure. I don't know if that means anything to you. Just wanted to throw that out. Don't there. matter. Don't mean nothing. To just me. saying. Just uh, saying. But just saying. The thing is, like, Jesus. like they want to see that arena full length, hundred yard style of game. They want to see 40 to 50, 45. They want to see 60 to 55 if they can. They want to see high scoring. They want they want the quarterbacks up. They want the receivers up. That's why a lot of these rules protect with, the, with defensive players. And most of the time, defensive player is always the receivers or someone that's catching the ball. And it's it's about it's about fantasy football and the fans. That's it's about what they feel that they want to see. Do what do you think? Like when you're watching the games now, like the the other day, Saints Cowboys. That was well, you like- got to realize they got a, They got an issue. They got a real big issue, especially with this uh you know this concussion thing and the CTE, uh, chromatic traumatic encephalopathy, uh, all that stuff going down, and uh you know the lawsuits that they had come in from that, and how long they tried to deny and say that it wasn't true and lie. So now they have to, you know, show that, you know, we're doing something to protect these players. And now you have to make it to where, like, even the younger kids, like, people want to put their kids back into football now so that, you know, they, they have a future generation coming up that wants to play this game. You know what I'm saying? Would you – you have two sons, My right? My boys play right now. This is their first year of contact, yes. And so, I allow them to play contact. Okay. Because that's what they want to do. I'm not going to live in fear of, of, you know, something, this and that, because at the end of the day – you know, God forbid, you know, they could go to school and something could happen or they could be on, you know, riding in the car and something could happen. Right. I'm not going to sit there and live out of fear because I, I when I do that and I don't allow them to do something because I'm scared, I'm instilling fear into them. I and that's you. not what I want to do. I got you. No, I understand. I, if, if my sons wanted to play at one point, they were considering it. I would say play, you know, and, and you know, hopefully just knock on wood. Um. You know the concussion. You let them play and you pray. That's the hardest thing I did is pray. <laughs> right. Is it hard watching them play now? I mean, they're kids, so it's it's not so. This their first year of contact. Oh no, it's some little, it's some little kids, it's some little more. They be hitting out some there. little James oh, Harris, James Harris. No, it's some little, it's some little more out there be hitting boy. And uh, hell, what made it so bad is my son. He's my son Henry. He's he's the smallest one, so he he catches a ball. And I think their weight limit is like 140 pounds or something like that. This dude might be like 80 pounds soaking wet, right? So he catches a ball and he don't he don't want to block nobody. He don't want to hit nobody. But you throw him the ball or you hand him the ball and he come alive, right? He catches the ball and this linebacker comes across the middle and I mean lights his ass up, right? And I am laughing so hard and loud. These people are looking at me and they're like, oh, that's not even funny. I'm like, that is funny because my son is the one just got hit. I can laugh at this shit, you know. And they're like, "Why?" Are you I'm like, "I like seeing good defense. I can, <laughs> you know, I'm like, I can't help it." You're not biased, right? That's funny. Yeah, that is funny. Um, you know, one of the things when you when you were playing, and also the like, it, it's just funny because like the way you sort of presented yourself 
to to the press and all this stuff. You were always kind of standoffish, mm-hmm. and but I feel like you have a sense of humor. One of the things, you know, we talk about the CET, talk about pulling dudes off the pile. Mm-hmm. You were accused of being a dirty player. When it when you look mm-hmm. back, do you go, I was dirty, I regret this one hit? No. What What do you think of your like? I'm, when, I'm, I wasn't dirty. Um, I've had situations where they may have said, you know, a hit was was dirty or borderline, but I'm not a dirty player by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not trying to twist your ankle. I'm not trying to kick you in your mouth. I'm trying to knock your head off in between the whistles. That's that's the only thing I did, and I happened to be a little more successful at it than others. And, and like I said, I wasn't a dirty player until they started emphasizing a different or new rule. From I went from defense player of the year to the dirtiest player ever the next year. Like, that makes no sense. Mm-hmm. I didn't change what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Y'all just tried to make me the poster boy, and y'all thought I was going to sit there, shut up, and be quiet about it, mm-hmm. and I wasn't. Were you aware, like, while that all that stuff was going on, like, yo, this is turning into, like, a thing, or, like, because that change, you know, was sort of, and I, listen, I don't think any players want to see any players injured. You want to see everybody walk no, off the field and be good. Exactly. Um, I want to hurt you. There's no doubt about it. I want, I want to hurt you. <laughs> I want you to not be able to finish that game and come back and play next week. Right, I got you. Were you aware, like, that, like there was a an X on your? Oh head? yeah, no question. Uh, listen, I, I go back to that time frame, and uh, we had a we had a player, uh, and uh, he was talking to the ref, and you know he's like, "Ref, come on now, what's going on?" Like that, I die, and the ref ended up slipping up, and he was like, "Hey, I can't do nothing about." We told to call anything that's borderline. He's like, what? What you mean we told to call anything that's borderline? Like, we? we who? Like, and he he stopped talking. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, we were like, you know, we were being picked on. Like, that that team, me, that team. And then at the same time, we were, we were mouthy with it when we did get calls on, you know. Even, you know, even... Tomlin at the time, you know, he he was he was he was saying things. So that made them even focus on us even more. And the, the, like I said, the team just stuck together. It was like, you know what? To hell with y'all. This is what we do. Y'all know y'all know this some BS. You know, y'all shouldn't be doing it. Blah blah blah. And it got to one point to where I remember we're like in a meeting, and uh, Tomlin he like, look, we got to stop throwing rocks at these tanks, man. He's like, you know how you see on the news and you see these people out there with Molotov cocktails and rocks and they throwing it at this big tank. He's like, the NFL is that tank, and we them dudes throwing them rocks, man. We got to stop. It's like, well, we'll figure something out. Wait, so what, how do you, if you can't throw rocks at the tanks, we, what do you we do? Had, we, had, we, had to, we had to figure out a way to change what we were doing. And, and uh, you know, what I started doing, I just started hitting guys in the knees. Yeah. You know? I hear you. Yeah. NFL now, what defensive players are, uh, excite you? Do you respect? Do you like watching? Besides Khalil Mack, we could talk about Nauseam and Vaughn Miller. Those are the sort of the two the two star. What what to, players? To be honest with you, I like watching. I like watching guys that I that I that I played with that I know. Who? You know, uh, like like uh, Vince Williams. Mm-hmm. I like I like I like watching Vince. Um, I like watching TJ because I was I was there, you know, when he first came in. I like watching Cam, uh, Cam Hayward. I like watching uh, Tua <laughs> when he's out there. I like you know I like watching guys that you know I have a, a personal uh, connection with or I play with. What quarterbacks right now? Who's the best quarterback? Uh, uh, let's forget Tom Brady. Who? who forget. How you Tom, forget Tom Brady and ask who the best quarterback? We're gonna get to him. We're gonna get to Tom Brady because that's <laughs> that's obvious. And trust me, I'm a New York Giants fan, so I hate admitting it, but I ain't stupid. 
Tom, Aaron Rodgers, and Drew Brees are like they're like in a different thing. Besides those guys, like this year is like Mahomes is like 15 years old. He's killing it. Mm -hmm. Like who are the other? Like who are the others besides those those big three? Tom, Brees, and Aaron Rodgers. Ben Roethlisberger, you never forgot about Ben. He's another. He he. Is, do we forget about Ben? Is I he, don't. I know. <laughs> what is he talking about? Do you? How good is Ben Roethlisberger? Why why is he so good for so long? What is it about? Ben him? has adapted this game. Ben, when Ben first came in, it was a defense game, and and Ben's big plays were plays where uh, the defense would break down. He'd scramble. And he'd make a big play. And as Ben matured into the years, he learned. He learned more. He he read. He read the defenses more. He understood the defenses, and he knew where to go with it. And then he has you know a great. He has a great receiving core. So you add that with the fact that you know his knowledge and his arm understanding everything is developing. That's that's a dangerous thing. Yeah, he's ridiculous. Um, when you were playing, would you rather go up against a power running back or a shifty, speedy running back? Power. Why? Because I don't have to worry about him shifting. I, I ain't got to worry about him speeding, taking off on me. I'd rather go against power because I know what you're going to do. You're going to come down here. You're going to try and run me over. You're going to go and you're going to be a one. I want a one cut guy. I don't want a guy that's going to be back there like Barry Sanders, you know, hitting the shift kid on me and everything. Got me out there looking goofy. I want a guy that's a one cut down here running. All right, so as far as power runners, who would you – like, you were known as a tough, you know, hard-hitting dude. Who would you say this is – like, when you played – My hardest tackle was probably Jamal Lewis. That was that was probably one of my hardest tackles, yeah. Who else? Uh, Freddie T in uh, Jacksonville. That, that dude had the power and he had the speed. And then as far as shifty uh, uh, players where you were like – like I, dude, yo, when Chris Johnson was in uh, Tennessee – Dude, that who was fast. You let him get out on you. It was, it was done bun. All right, but I skipped over the big. The, well, the big three. I should have said the big four because I know you, your guy Ben, Tom Brady. Like your years of going against him. I mean, this is going to be something you're asked about your entire life. Your great 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 grandkids are going to be asking about him. why uh, is he so good? And you were sort of there for the evolution of him. What did you see from when he first started playing to now? Like, like, did you imagine that he would wind up being like? Obviously, luck, health, taking care of his body mm -hmm. plays a part of it. But like, when he first, when you first started going against him, did you imagine this guy? Tom would was won in the league before me. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, but you, you, you were there. You, you know, yeah. you watched. You caught him in the middle, right? Or like his fifth or sixth year. By the time we got to him, it was. By the time I got to him and yeah. actually was starting, it was like seven deep. He was at least seven, eight and deep. Okay. Yeah. So, so what, they had already had two or three titles by then. What makes him so good? His knowledge under like Tom, like I've never seen anybody with the study habits of him. Like you know the seventy page like notebook like binders that you have, and normally by the end of the year most guys have their half full, and you know that's that's about it. The, he fills out one of those each game on the team. Did you learn I this when you played forget, for the Patriots? Yeah, I looked. I looked at that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's when I, I I started noticing this. Like this dude takes notes on everything, any and everything. Um, I remember when was it? Okay, we were about to play. We were about to play a Super Bowl game, and we just found out that we were playing Philly. And it was Monday, and my locker was the first locker. Like no, it was like the third or fourth locker before you come out of the locker room and go into the meeting room. So he's walking past, and we just got through with the meeting. He tapped me on my shoulder. He says, get ready. We're about to score a lot of points. That was Monday. That was like 10, 11 days before the game. He knew. He already knew. 
this dude sits there and like you know how you watch uh nfl and on instagram and you'll see a play he's breaking down the play oh you see hey i'd be sitting behind him on a bus and he'd be talking to someone else and he'd be like hey you see that yeah this uh the safety or corner he didn't da 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 he hit this hit that like he is when i say he sleep eats and breathes that that's what he does like and he means it like Everything he does is to gain a competitive. He is the most book, like he 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 spends the most time. He he does the most studying I've ever seen of anyone. What did you learn from your time with Belichick, like the Patriot way, Belichick? It, why is he so revered? What regimented, made him so dude, good? It's regimented. It's regimented. It's a and a is gonna be a no matter what happens. B is gonna be B no matter what happens. And everybody is gonna stick to this, and you're gonna do it. And if you don't do it, I'll get someone else to do it. It's very regimented. It's disciplined. And if you have a problem with that, you're not going to like it there. Aaron Rodgers, what what made him so hard to compete against? Aaron Rodgers can throw the ball from anywhere in any position and make it accurate. That's what's hard about him. So he, he, he'll throw it off his back foot, and it'll be a 40, 50 yard on the money in stride. You know what I'm saying? And what about uh, Drew Brees? Drew, the thing with Drew is, he he can do the same thing, but his is more on uh, on on timing. So if he's in the pocket, he's comfortable. He's going to zip that ball. And when they played against Dallas, and they got all that pressure up the middle, Drew's not a tall guy. When you right. get that much pressure up the middle against a quarterback that's only six feet tall, he he has issues. Who is the the, the biggest trash talking quarterback? Quarterbacks don't really talk trash, man. They don't. No. Uh-uh. Were you? Did you talk a lot? Nope. Who's the biggest trash talker that you pl- that, that you played we with? We didn't get a lot of trash talking. You guys didn't. We ended up having to talk, like, even when we played the Ravens, we ended up talking trash to the defense. We ended up talking trash to the linebackers. So we'd line up, warming up, and the linebackers. Oh, your defense is talking shit? Yeah, we talk, yeah, we, we talking trash to them, you know. So, yeah, we didn't we didn't get a lot of a lot of trash targets to be honest with you. Not many that I could think of. You know, it may get towards the end of the game and now they know that they're about to win. There's a couple minutes left or right. something. Then, you know, they may start That's easy. But, yeah. But not, yeah, from the rooter to the two to now. Um, Adrian Peterson, how good uh was he? And what do you what does he have left in the tank? Like what version of Adrian Peterson do the Redskins have? Um it's damn so not that not that AP that that you know was of old. Um, How good was he when he was in his like his his, his rocket? That, that was like that was like another guy that that had speed and power. So rather he was rather he was gonna try and run through you or run around you. It was up to him. It was his decision. So even when he got to DBs, that was a hard thing for DBs. Is he gonna try and run me over? Is he gonna try and run around me? So once he got into the secondary, it was you know that was that was probably you know a carnival for him. Right. Um, okay. Uh, let me throw just other names at you. Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning, uh, another guy that I think I did. I never, like I said, played with him, but I think he's another guy that was uh, probably into, uh, knowing his opponent, studying, understanding what's going on and, you know, being very, very smart, head smart with the game. Uh, is Joe Flacco a great quarterback? Joe Flacco is not a great quarterback. I think Joe got paid on the Super Bowl. That's really what happened. And that was really a defense that, you know, really helped him get that Super Bowl. And when he he got paid, 
because he was in a great position. He just won a Super Bowl, and he didn't. It wasn't like he was a bum or anything. Right. You know, he was he was your average to above average quarterback in a team that just won a Super Bowl. So what you go do? You go say, oh, I'm not going to run with him, or you go pay him. You're not going to just go off and say, oh, I just won a Super Bowl with him, but I'm going to try so-and-so from over here. No, I got you. Um, And Cam Newton. Is Cam Newton great? I mean, he, he, he lost in that Super Bowl. He was great that season. Like, he's so sort of like... You love him, you hate him. Like, what do you make of Cam Newton? Just like like of his career as a football player. Not the off-field stuff, not the outfits, because talk about pink shirts. I mean, we could go for days about the outfits. What do you make of Cam Newton as a player? Uh, I think Cam is good. I think that he has had very, very good seasons, and then the next year is not as good as the, uh, the, the previous year, and I think people expect him to be on that level of where he's just, you know, a top two or three quarterback every year, and it just hasn't got to that point. So it gives you mixed feelings on, you know, how good or bad that you that you think he is or or could be. Um. All right, James Harrison, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? I, you know, you seem like a type of person where, I, you know, it could be like James Harrison retires and we never hear from him, never see from him again. You're in good shape. Your body's function. Your mind's function. What do you want to do with the rest of your life? What do you do? Obviously, you love your kids. You're a father and all this. Uh, uh, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? Uh, right now, I'm actually trying to get into acting. Um, um, no. That's why. That's that's a lot of the reason why I'm out here, to be honest with you. So, you know, I do the Fox thing in the, in the mornings. And then after that, I have, you know, meetings and all the other stuff with, you know, different uh Different uh, productions, uh, casting, produce writers, all that. So, if you were gonna like jump into acting, what kind of? Obviously, your nickname's Debo. Mm -hmm. You you know you could be a physical presence. You know what I mean? Like gotta uh, be action. We have to be something with action. I feel like, you know, I feel like I feel like I got the action capacity of of, of the rock. But I feel like I got the acting in range of like Denzel. You know? Denzel, you're not even like going. In, you're you know, starting right at the top. Listen, I can say whatever I want to until the time come and I got to do it. <laughs> would you feel? Would you feel comfortable like straight up acting? Like, would you feel like? Would you? I'm would gonna you try it and see. You could do it. You yeah. just have to not like. I mean, you know, actors. You, like for football, you're comfortable on a football field. Mm -hmm. Like where every p. You know. Uh, well, I mean, that's not it. Like I said, I got, I have a, you know, I have a supplement company that I'm, I'm partners with. I also am starting up, uh, actually, I'm starting an app to do, uh, to do workouts. So it'll be workouts. Uh, I'm, a, you know, diet, I do fitness modeling that. on the side. Like if you want me to do like the, the we we'll do a before and after. Have you actually look like you do now, like shit, and then like wait, a, wait, a wait, monster wait, before? Wait, wait, my man, my man, wait, let <laughs> get that clarified. No, this is this is the after right now. This, this is, no, 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 no. We're gonna show him the after. Um, but the acting, like I think you should act. Like I think it would oh, be. Oh yeah, I'm gonna try that. Definitely. I, uh, have you actually, got any? Have you gotten any rooms? Any auditions? No, I haven't. Not yet. Not yet. Because um, you're just fresh off the field. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been in a couple rooms. I may have a. I may have something coming up. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that you may end up seeing. Okay. I can't right. really say. I got you. I got you. You're in the mix. I got you. Yeah. I got you. Uh, I'm glad to see, you know, like you show your personality on Fox and, mm -hmm. you know, even here, like, you know, because like I said, you know, your personality, like from what we saw as a player and interviews in like real sports and the profiles, it was very sort of like, you know, I, I think it'll be if you act and like you do something with a sense of humor, I think mm -hmm. people will be like, what the fuck? You know, because your your persona as a football player was so rough. Right. And rugged, and you march to the drum of your own beat, which I like, and I respect that. 
Yeah, yeah. So I mean, like I said, we'll uh, we'll see here in the next All right. few weeks. All right. So James Harrison, aka Baby Denzel, uh, is is on the scene. That's gonna be my new name. Baby Denzel is on the scene. <laughs> but I appreciate you coming on the, yeah, uh, the podcast. No you know, I've been a fan, and uh, you know. Yeah, I told you before. I used to hate your ass for for higher learning. Yeah, twenty something years ago, uh, man. I'm like. How old were you? That movie came out. Like, you must have been like, like sixth grade, fifth grade, something like that. Listen, I'm like, this, he acting, but I'm like, this motherfucker acting too good. No, he races for real. When I see him. <laughs> well, you're going to have that, yo, you, wait, wait, till you, wait till you have the conundrum of like, this part that you get baby Denzel and you don't agree with it you'll see how deep you're going to get into it just like listen like me playing that part in some ways there had to be a part of you that's like you going to the Patriots like yo who would have thought you're, you're going to the Patriots you know what I'm saying it's, just, it's the same kind of but the checks are clearing and uh -huh. the winning is winning uh. alright James Harrison I appreciate you coming on the podcast yeah thank you I told you it was a big body I am Rapport Stereo Podcast I told you it was going to be hard body karate. I want to thank my guest, James Harrison, for rocking on the Iron Rap Poor Stereo podcast. I want to thank Paulie, the magic man, Malanaji. And, and, and what more can I say? I, I can only do so much. I, I have a, a, a heavy tongue. My tongue, uh, I bit myself. Uh, Miles Jordan, uh, please take us out of here with something real nice, something real proper, something real funky. I'm done.